Well, today we come to Genesis chapter 34, so you can go ahead and please open your Bibles up there. Genesis chapter 34. Last week when we studied chapter 33, we saw where Jacob had settled down with his family in a place called Shechem. And I pointed out to you that this was not a good place for him and his family to be. And I quoted to you last week from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, where it says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company corrupts good habits. And we're going to see that Jacob here has put himself and his family in a place where they should not have been. But in this period of time, it is said that it is said of the city of Shechem that it was a crossroads of trade. You know, it was a good place to make a living. And maybe that's why Jacob settled down there. Now, we're not told biblically that that was Jacob's reason for stopping there, but it very well may have been. And I liken this to the fact that in our day and age, many people make decisions in this life based on those same kind of principles. What feels good? What looks good? This seems like the best thing to do. But again, we have to consider, what about God? What about His will for our lives? Do we keep God in our decision-making process? Are we seeking His will above all else in our lives? I've quoted this verse more than a few times in the past, but I'll exhort you again this morning by reminding you, before we jump into our verses here, that in the New Testament book of James chapter 4, it says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and we shall do this or that. That's what the book of James tells us in James chapter 4. So the Lord must be first. And the Lord must be the foremost one that we seek in our decision-making processes, right? Jacob, we know, did indeed hear from the Lord, but the thing is, is that the Lord told him exactly where to go. But here we see in Genesis that Jacob was, for one reason or another, Lord into stopping a little short of where God had told him to go. And now we will, re we will read about the consequences of that decision. Jacob is in a place and around a people where he should not have been. And again, before we jump on into verse 1 here, I also want to kind of, I kind of warned you last week that we would talk about some things today that will go against some of the things that have become the norm in our culture today. We live today where certain things have become acceptable that in accordance with the Word of God, these things are not acceptable. And we have to determine as to whether we learn 
and we grow with the culture around us, go with the flow, as they say, or do we stand firm on the Word of God? So today is one of those messages where I'll have to say to you, don't shoot the messenger, okay? Just consider what the scriptures are that we'll look at today and take them to heart and then consider whether it's something to think about or not and, and whether your, your life is lined up with the word of God. So with all that being said, verse one of Genesis 34 says, now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated her. Okay, so verse 1, there seems like a very innocent thing, right? Dinah is simply going out to hang out with the girls. But where the girls are hanging out in this world, you can bet the boys will be hanging out there as well, right? And where it says there in verse 1 that Dinah went out to see the daughters of the land, these young women of the land were the Canaanite women. And if you remember back this far, when we study Genesis chapter 9, that is where it's the first time we heard of Canaan. And that is where Noah, upon dealing with his son Ham for his dirty deed, Noah cursed Ham's son Canaan. Noah said that Canaan would be a servant of servants. In other words, he would be the lowest of the low. And more specifically, Noah said that Canaan would be a servant of Shem, and from Shem would descend the Israelites. But the name Canaan, or the word Canaan, if you will, means lowland. That's what the word means, lowland. And as that applies to you and me today, as we walk through this life, there are choices and decisions that we have to make in life, right? The lowland or the highland. Or if you'd rather, the low road or the high road, right? Which one do we take? You take the high road and I'll take the low road and I'll be in Scotland before you, right? That's what the old song says. But life on a daily basis will offer us the opportunity to take the low road. And the low road in this life is the road most traveled. And that road will look like the best road to take most often. Again, it's the road that most people take and the one that the world will make look the best to you. Proverbs 16.25 says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Remember, this is the word of God. It's truth. It speaks truth. And though the land of Canaan was the promised land that God had promised to his people Israel, there were a people there that did not seek the God of heaven, that lived there. And they were a fleshly people. And those tribes of people that dwelled in the land of Canaan represented selfishness. They represented perversity and, and a warped attitude of the carnal flesh and mind. And again, we too battle with these things, don't we? As we walk through this life. 
as followers of Jesus Christ, we could still battle with these things. And verse 2 there tells us what happened in this land as Dinah went out to hang out with the worldly women. This young man named Shechem, who has the same name as the city, right, took Dinah and violated her. The Hebrew word used there for the word violate is, a, is the word anah, and it's a word that in its primary meaning, it means to be put down, to be made low, to afflict, to oppress. And this is what can happen in this world when you decide to take the low road. When you decide to hang out, think about this, what Dinah's doing, you decide to hang out where they hang out. And you decide to partake of what they partake of. You will be afflicted by the choices that you make. You will be brought low. Now, no woman deserves to be attacked by a man in this way, if this is what took place. But the point we must learn here this morning is that we must not fellowship in the sinful ways of the world. We must not hang out there. We are in the world, Jesus says of his disciples, but we are not of the world. Let me show you some verses here in regards to this. Mark this page in your Bible and turn to the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Second Corinthians 6, and let's look down and start reading in verse 14. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. It says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? So Paul's kind of taking different roads here to make one point. Verse 16, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, so here's the conclusion of this, right? Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So the point is very clear there, isn't it? Does it really get any plainer than that for you and me today? If we have been born again, if we have confessed our sin, repented of our sin, and we have turned our lives over to the living God, then we are to have come out of this world and to have made ourselves separate. We're to be strangers, pilgrims. When you're a stranger, you're strange. You're strange to the world around you. We are to, as verse 17 there says, not touch what is unclean. In other words, we are not to partake of this world's 
evil ways. And if you hang out where darkness dwells, then that darkness will eventually encompass your life and ultimately lead you in the direction that is far away from a relationship with the living God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the one that says, I'm your father, the God who says, I'm your father, you'll be my sons and daughters. That's what he wants for you. He has the best for you. But when you take this route, it leads you away from him because light has no fellowship with darkness. So you stay off the low roads. You get on the high road, which is the place where God wants you to be. Thinking about this subject with Dinah, how many young girls have gone out and hung out in the lowland where all the rest of the girls hang out. And there they meet a a low-life guy whose only intention is to violate them. It happens millions of times a day around this world. But if you're a godly young man, if you're a godly young woman, you won't go where they are. You won't hang where they hang. If you're a godly father and a godly mother, then you'll train up your child in the way that they should go so that they don't go there and hang out there. And here's the thing, folks. This lowland, low-life world is entering into the church today, into the body of Christ at a very rapid pace. And it has been for many years now in this country. You know, there are men and women today that have sex outside of marriage and they really think that they're okay in the eyes of God. They go to church Sunday after Sunday thinking they're just fine spiritually. But let's look at some more scriptures here. Turn back one book to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So we just looked at 2 Corinthians 6. Back up, we'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians 6, starting in verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But yet today our churches are growing with these people and accepting all of this in many ways, right? But we have a small list here, right? An idolater is a person that worships false gods. There is one God, and he is the God that we read about here in the Holy Bible, and him and him only are we to worship. A fornicator is any person that has sexual activity when they are unmarried. The Greek word is the word pornos. And it's also where we get our word pornography from, right? And you may say, well, pornography is not having sex outside of marriage. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, 28, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And adultery is also on the list here. And this is when a married person 
as sex outside of marriage or pornos, right? You see, sex is for marriage. This is how God designed it to be. Sex was for the purpose of procreation, right? One man and one woman being joined together to produce more men and more women for the earth. I'm not going to have you turn there right now, but at least make a mental note of this scripture and read it later. It's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. And if you'd like, you can turn there. But it says, marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. So the marriage bed is to be undefiled, right? But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So only the marriage bed is undefiled, according to the word of God. That's the only place it's right for sex. Every other sexual act is sin. Fornicators and adulterers will be judged. Now, I told you that today's message would be hard-hitting and that it would go against the ways of our culture today, right? But this is God's word. And many choose to ignore it even in our mainstream churches today, right? The pews, the chairs are, are full of people that are living in sexual immorality and the pulpits won't discuss it. The pastors won't teach this. They won't put this out there for the people. But, but we can't make the mistake of ignoring God's word. It's truth. It's what he's given us. It's his word. But look, here's the bright side, if you want to call it a bright side. It's not really that I'm giving you a dark side. I'm actually giving you the bright side. I'm giving you the light side where Jesus dwells, right, in truth. But in 1 Corinthians, uh, I kept you here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 right now. I want to keep you here for a reason. Verse 11 continues and says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So when it says there in verse 11, such were some of you, the key word is were. In other words, you used to do some of these things, but you no longer do them. Why? Because at one point in time, you came to Jesus, you repented, you turned your life over to God. This is why people must come to Jesus, right? So that they can be born again. And it's all because of Jesus. When you repent and you come to Jesus, you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So it's the Spirit of our God that does this work within a person when they surrender, when they repent, and when they turn from the low road and stop walking in the ways of the people of the land and instead walking in the ways of God as if we are people of God. So again, I, I teach to not just all of you folks here, but there are listeners throughout the world that listen to this teaching so I have to ask or point out that if you're still living in the lowland ways of this world, 
And again, we've mainly talked about just some sexual things here this morning, but there are many other ways in which we can follow the ways of the world instead of the ways of the, the word, right? There are many other ways you can fellowship with the darkness of this world, right? The TV shows you watch, the movies you go to see, the songs that you listen to, the places and the people that you hang out with can represent darkness. Remember, if you have come to Christ, you are to, as we read in 2 Corinthians six seventeen, come out, we read, Come out and be separate. Do not touch what is unclean and the Lord God will receive you. Come out and be separate. So as we flip back to Genesis 34 now, Shechem has violated Dinah because that type of activity is only reserved for marriage. That's why it's a a violation And then in verse 3 here of Genesis 34, it says of Shechem that his soul was strongly attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, get me this young woman as a wife. So I guess you could say that Shechem wanted to do the honorable thing there. We'll see as we go on that the Bible will say he was honorable, right? In that sense, right? But in some ways, it's hard to think about a guy like this as honorable. But he now wants Dinah to be his wife. But the problem is, is that he has made a harlot out of her. Now, if you want to know why I would say such a thing as that, I'll have you look down at the last verse in this chapter, Verse 31, and there you'll see that Dinah's brothers ask their father Jacob a question and say, should he treat our sister like a harlot? You see, the fact is, from a biblical standpoint, as it, re- as it regards, in regards to the sexual points of life, right? The Bible only describes, describes women in a couple of ways. She is either a harlot or a virgin. There's no two ways about it. That's all we see in the Bible, okay? The Bible also uses the word whore to describe this kind of a woman. And it uses the word whoremonger to describe this kind of man. So the female is a whore, the male is a whoremonger according to the word of God. Again, This is hard hitting. But sex is designed by God for marriage and only the marriage bed is undefiled. So otherwise, right, unmarried men involved in sex outside of marriage are whoremongers. In other words, they are out looking for and making whores out of women. But again, such were some of you. In past tense, right? If you repent it and you come to Christ and if you have been washed, you have been sanctified. You have been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, I have to say as I tell you all this, I can't point any fingers because such were I. I was one of these people before Christ, right? But we come to Christ 
and we come to the life where all things become new. The old has passed away. Okay? But as the body of Christ, we must walk in a way now that's different. And we must train up our young women and our young men in the truth of the word of God and to know that God has the best plan for them and he has a purpose for them. And if you've blown it as an individual and if you've blown it as a parent, then there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We simply come to the cross and we lay it all down and we move on in the way of righteousness. The same holds true with any path we've taken in life, with anything that we've chosen in our lives that has, bring destruction, that has brought destruction. We must die to it. And we must come to the cross and then we must fight the fight of faith to live in a different way because God has something good in store for us when we do. We can't allow this world to lead us down the path of unrighteousness. So we're told there that Shechem's soul was strongly attached to Dinah. And he now wanted to marry her. But this isn't going to set well with Jacob and his boys, his sons, right? And verse five continues and says, and Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter. Now his sons were with his livestock in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came. So it looks like Jacob wants some backup here from his boys before he tries to deal with the situation. But in the meantime, verse six says, Then Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. And the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it. And the men were grieved and very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing which ought not to be done. So again, any kind of sex outside of marriage should not take place. This ought not to be done. It is a disgraceful thing. Now, let me just interject something here. Most people look at this whole thing between Shechem and Dinah and they would consider it a, a rape, which again is despicable. We know that, right? But there is some room here to speculate that Maybe it was not, right? Again, Dinah went to the wrong place to hang out with the wrong people. And just maybe she knew that the boys hung out there too, right? We don't really know this for sure. But if it was a rape, it was despicable and wrong. And the main point I want to make to you this morning in bringing this up is that if it was consensual sex outside of marriage, it was wrong as well. And Jacob's sons, Dinah's brothers, are angry with Shechem for this. And in order to appease them, Hamor, the father, right, is now going to try and make a deal with Jacob and his boys. And verse 8 says, But Hamor spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him as a wife and make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters to yourselves. So you shall dwell with us and the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade in it and acquire possessions for yourselves in it. So here we see an offer from the lowland. An offer from the world. 
for the people of God to come and join in with the people of the world. Come be unequally yoked with us. This is the invitation here. Again, the world will make you these kind of offers. Come, Christian young man. Come, Christian young woman. Come into a relationship with this non-Christian man. With this non-Christian woman. It'll be okay. He believes in a God. She believes in a God. That's all that matters. To each his own, right? He's got his religion. She's got her religion, whatever it is. Come, Christian man. Come, Christian woman. Come look at our pornography. Drink our alcohol. It'll be okay. Everything will be okay. Come, you Christian person. Come hang out in our places. Watch our shows. Listen to our music. You will have fun. And it'll be all okay with you. These are the invitations from the lowland. These are the invitations from the world. Darkness offers us to come and to fellowship with us, with it, right? Satan can appear as an angel of light. Oh, it looks so good, seems so good. And behind it all, that's who's behind it all, by the way, Satan, offering to kill, offering to steal, offering to destroy. And that's what Jesus said he would do. But Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. But oftentimes we take the road of what looks good, what feels good for the moment, right? Instead of that abundant life that Jesus gives us because oftentimes the low road is, is, is the most appealing. Again, because everyone else is going down that road and it feels good and it looks good. And the high road is the harder road. It's the road less traveled because it's harder to climb. It's an uphill climb. God has not promised us that going through this life by faith would be easy. But he has promised us that he will be with us as we do. Verse 11 continues and says, Then Shechem said to her father, that's to Dinah's father, right? And her brothers, let me find favor in your eyes. And whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask me ever so much dowry and gift, and I will give according to what you say to me. But give me the young woman as a wife. But the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamor, his father, and spoke deceitfully because he had defiled Dinah, their sister. So do you see that there? It says that the sons of Jacob are speaking deceitfully to Shechem and Hamor here. In other words, they've got something up their sleeve. They've got a plan in this, and you're going to see it, right? Verse 14, and they said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a reproach to us. But on this condition, we will consent to you. If you will become as we are, If every male of you is circumcised, then we will give our daughters to you and we will take your daughters to us and we will dwell with you and we will become one people. But if you will not heed us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and be gone. Now, personally, I don't think that Dinah and all these other women were worth this. You have to go through this for this? I don't think it's worth it, right? 
I would take option B here. And I would say, okay, take Dinah and leave. Because <laughs> I'm not doing that. Not at this stage of my life, right? I'm that old, these guys, right? But that wasn't the case. And verse 18 says, and their words pleased Hamor and Shechem, Hamor's son. So the young man did not delay to do the thing because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. He was more honorable than all the household of his father. So remember I said he was honorable in this way, right? And I quote it to you from uh, Hebrews 13.4, that marriage is honorable. And Shechem wants to do the honorable thing, so he does not hesitate to do what they asked him to do and to get circumcised. He's going to go ahead with it. And him and his father, though, are, they're going to now go and they're going to try to encourage all the other men in this place to do the same thing. And verse 20 says, And Hamor and Shechem, his son, came to the gate of their city and spoke with the men of their city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Therefore, let them dwell in the land and trade in it. For indeed, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters to us as wives and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will the men consent to dwell with us, to be one people, if every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised. Okay, so Shechem and Hamor dropped this bomb on the men of the city, which I would think would be a pretty hard sale. So they, they need to sweeten the deal a little bit here. And that they will do in verse 23. They say to them, Will not their livestock, their property, and every animal of theirs be ours? Only let us consent to them, and they will dwell with us. So there's going to be like, from this livestock now, we're increasing it this much. If we let these guys stay here, there's going to be food aplenty. There's going to be all kind of good things for us, right? Verse 24, And all who went out of the gate of his city heeded Hamor and Shechem, his son. Every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of his city. So I guess the deal was sweet enough for them here. But remember, these people represent the lowland for you and me today. They represent the flesh, the world, and all that it has to offer. And in this world, people want more and more stuff, don't they? They want all this world has to offer. So when they heard that they would get the women, the livestock, the property, and every animal, they couldn't resist. It's kind of like what the world offers people today. You can have it all, the world says. The property, the cars, the party life. You can be on easy street. It's all yours, baby. <laughs> Remember, Satan took Jesus and tempted him. For 40 days, right? He took him and he put him on the high spot in the temple. And he said, all the kingdoms of the world will be yours if you'll just bow down to me. This is what the world offers us, right? So what happens is a person ends up focused on all the wrong things and all the lies this world will tell you, right? It's that lottery mentality. You can have it all now. It's that swag mentality, right? 
You can be cool. You can look good. People will like you. All the attention will be yours. And the, the problem is, is the biblical things, the, the things like work ethic, integrity, humility, patience, working for what you have and taking that, taking that road, right? Truth, all of these things, they get cast aside because people are blinded by all this world has to offer them. And again, this has crept into Christianity. And you got to pay attention to it. And you got to look at the world around you and what it's offering. And who's the popular ones today? It's the ones that draw all the attention to themselves. It's not the people of integrity. Right? It's the ones with all the flash, right? And today, the minds of many of our young people are drawn to this kind of thing. That swag, as they call it, right? That worldliness, the guy, the girl that has all the flash, that, that gets all the attention. And more and more people are being draw, drawn into a lifestyle today where it's all about your image and how you portray yourself, right? And all of this has taken place because people are not doing all they can do to say, I'm dead to this world. And I'm going to live in accordance with the word of God. And Satan is deceptively leading people down the path of becoming weaker and weaker, further and further away from God. Okay? And that's what we're seeing here in this story now. The world and its God, Satan, will offer you so much and then ultimately destroy you when you fall for it. Watch what happens here in this story. Verse 25. Now it came to pass on the third day when they were in pain that, that two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came boldly upon the city and killed all the males. And they killed Hamor and Shechem, his son, with the edge of the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. They took their sheep, their oxen, and their donkeys that was in the city and what was in the field and all their wealth, all their little ones and their wives, they took captive and they plundered even all that was in the houses. So what a deal for these Canaanites, right? What a deal they made here. Hey, you can have all this if you just do this. Yeah, right. right. But again, that's what living for this world will get you. You want the big money. You want the, the nice house. You want the, the property. You want the cars. You want all this world can give you. You want the good feelings of this, that, and the other thing. Well, then all you have to do is this. Just come hang out with us. Just come do this, right? Sell your soul. And then all of a sudden, destruction comes upon you. There's an old song of the world, right, that says, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. And that's a lie from the pits of hell. Because all you will get when you're laughing with the sinners is sudden destruction coming upon you. And the sinners aren't laughing when this life is over. It's the saints, the ones that have been justified, the ones that have been washed, the ones that have surrendered their lives to Christ, 
they'll have the joy. So that's a lie, right? And if you don't, and if a person doesn't get it in this lifetime, they'll get it on judgment day for sure. And of course, I'm speaking now to those that do not choose Christ, but rather they choose this world and what this world has to offer. And also to those that may profess Christ today, but aren't living like it. They're seeking the things of this world instead. Again, I'm saying this for the third or fourth time. I know this is hard hitting and I know it's contrary to our culture today, but nonetheless, we do see it in the word of God, do we not? Verse 30, then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the parasites. And since I am few in number, they will gather themselves together against me and kill me. I shall be destroyed, my household and I. But they said, should he treat our sister like a harlot? <coughs> now, I read verse uh, 31 to you earlier, and this was the reason that the sons of Jacob gave as an excuse for what they had done. Their sister was no longer a virgin and still unmarried, which made her like a harlot. But before we close this morning, there's something I want you to take note of in verse 30 there. Let's read it again. And I'm going to put some emphasis on certain words here. As I read this again, I'm going to put an emphasis on certain words that are spoken by Jacob. Verse 30. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the parasites. And since I am few in number, they will gather themselves together against me and kill me. I shall be destroyed, my household, and I, right? Do you see the selfishness in this? Jacob says, me, me, I, me, me, I, my, I, seven times. Of course, he's right to be angry with what his sons have done, but he's making it all about him. And many parents today operate in this same kind of pride when their children fall into certain kind of problems in life. They yell at their kids for how bad their kids are making them look when the fact of the matter is that they were the ones that raised up their kids in this kind of world. Jacob's the one that put his family there, right? They, they park themselves around bad company and they were upset that their good morals were violated by their children. But yet it's the world that many parents feed to their children. They just let them be around everything in the world. And they don't say no to anything. Right? And we all need to see that, again, we are to come out and be separate. Don't put yourself in a situation where what you know to be biblically correct is being violated. And if you are a parent, don't let your kids walk in that way either. Jacob should have never put his family in that situation. And then on top of that, he never should have let his daughter Dinah go out and hang out with the daughters of the land as she did. So our bottom line 
for today, for you and me, is repent and turn our lives entirely over to the Lord Jesus. And when you do, you must stop being like this world around you. You must come out and be separate. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is truth. And Lord, as as it even says in your word, Lord, that it is profitable to us for correction. Your word corrects us at times. It rebukes us. It instructs us in righteousness. And we have seen that today. We have been instructed as to what righteousness is and what unrighteousness is. We have seen what choosing the ways of this world can do. And the choices that we make, Lord, how important they are. So God, we ask for forgiveness, God, for the things in our lives that have distracted us away from you. We ask, Lord, that you would lead and guide us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake, Lord. But even as I pray that, Lord, I understand that that's our choice. You've done all you can do, Lord. You've done all you can do for us, Lord, in in sacrificing and laying your life down. And now you just ask us to do the same, to take up the cross, to follow after you. And then when we do, Lord, when we choose you, when we choose to walk in your way, when we choose to walk in the way of your word, we must then walk by faith and not by sight. And this is the problem, even amongst Christians today, Lord, in the body of Christ is it's so easy for us to walk by sight rather than by faith. So, Lord, we pray that you would increase our faith. But, Lord, we just acknowledge you. We acknowledge the truth of your word. We, have not, we acknowledge what we've heard from you through your word. And we thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity and this time to to gather around your word. And we pray that as we go forth into a new week, Lord, that it will be our desire to seek you and to serve you. Even as we sung this morning, still the greatest treasure remains for those who will gladly choose you now. It says one day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow, but still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly seek you now. So Lord, may that be what we do, Lord. Seek you now with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love you, Lord, with every fiber of our being. May we place you first and above all else. Again, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name. Amen.